I would just have to imagine you've got some pretty interesting stories and encounters that have happened over the years. I'm doing a job right now at a hoarder's house. We've caught over 600 mice in September. 600 mice in one house. One house, one townhouse. It usually doesn't happen until after hours, and you'll get either a raccoon or a squirrel that'll come down a chimney, and um, it can get two or three people are running around with nets, and they're, it, it loves the drapes, it seems. What would you suggest is the first thing that a manager or a board member should know with regard to pest management in a particular community? Most people are not equipped to understand the seemingly endless facets of an HOA. That's why we're here, to help you become uncommonly prepared to serve your HOA. Whether you're a board member or a manager, join us in the Uncommon Area. Welcome to The Uncommon Area. I'm Matthew Holbrook, and this episode is all about pest management. And here to discuss that with me, uh, we have two people from Animal Pest Management, Rick Duffy and Justin Fox, and I appreciate both of you uh, being here. And I understand that uh, Animal Pest Management Services has been around for over 40 years, so you guys know something about this. <laughs> well, Mr. Fox does, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the creator of Animal Pest Management. It's been a little over 40 years. Um, his son, Justin, is moving up in the ranks, so someday he'll be my boss, actually. <laughs> but for now, yes, we've been around. We know a little bit about animal pest management well, and cool. what to do out in the field. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. And I guess we can start off with um, this is the, this podcast is directed towards board members and managers. And so if somebody is new to their board of directors in a, in a community or a manager is taking over um, managing a community and, and they're new to that community, what would you suggest is the first thing that a manager or a board member should know with regard to pest management in a particular community? Well, what we like to see at Animal Pest Management is that uh, we, we come in contact with the either board member or the property manager. Um, we get a chance to maybe go over the property with them, give them what our expectations are, listen to what their expectations are on how to manage the property the correct way. It's not always what was being done in the past because different boards have different objectives. Um, but again, the property manager can only do what the board asks them to do. Yeah. I mean, that just depends on whether or not um, if they have enough bait stations there. I mean, it could be they don't have uh, ground squirrels on the contract, and we would recommend doing ground squirrels if there's a lot of activity. But it really just depends on what the board's looking for, on what they're actually trying to achieve. So. so you could have a scenario, for example, where you guys might make a recommendation to have bait stations for ground squirrels and maybe a previous board makes a decision from a budget standpoint to say, no, we're not going to do that. New board comes in and says, hey, why aren't you taking care of the ground squirrels? And so it, I think it'd be a, a good idea for new board members, for managers, just understand what's what's kind of been the history, what's been the discussion, and certainly by having a conversation with with whatever vendor is is responsible for that, you can be brought up to speed pretty quickly. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Correct. That's probably the biggest thing. So, what's interesting to me about your business and what you guys do, you're you're dealing with with animals and pests all the time. I would just have to imagine you've got some pretty interesting stories <laughs> and encounters that have happened over the years. Um, anything come to mind that's like of particular interest that um, that that maybe you've you've encountered with regard to homeowners and animals? 
probably yeah. um, more or less rats in the walls or rats inside a house or other animals, raccoons or squirrels. It's it's a long list. I mean, every week it's something different that happens. It's just out there in the field, there's a lot of different things that will happen in the middle of your living room when a squirrel comes down the fireplace and now he's in the middle of your house. Or a rat in the wall that everybody thinks, that oh, we can call a pest control guy and he can find it immediately. Between installation and drywall, it's very hard to narrow the smell down. It could be, you could be smelling it very heavy in one corner of the room and the rat could be in the other corner. It's just the way the ventilation comes through the walls that it pushes the odor to the other side. I mean, yeah, there's, I'm doing a job right now at a hoarder's house. We've caught over 600 mice in September. 600 mice in one house. One house, one townhouse. Wow. Uh, It's, uh, it was a, it's, we're still doing it. It's, uh, it's been a process. We're over 653, actually, as of yesterday. Do you charge per mouse? No, I should have, though. <laughs> we should have. been a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, did, did either of you happen to see, um, there was, not too long ago, and I don't remember the details right now, um, but there was a, um, a, a homeowner, and this ended up on one of the light, late night television shows where like a squirrel came down into his office and he kind of like had this whole war with the squirrel uh, and it was all on video. Um, I I bet you guys have probably had some, some encounters similar to that. We've had a couple nights like that, to be honest with you. It usually doesn't happen until after hours and you'll get either a raccoon or a squirrel that'll come down a chimney and um, it can get two or three people are running around with nets and (laughs) They're, it, it loves the drapes, it seems. Yeah. yeah, once they feel like they're boxed in, they're going to go wild, especially squirrels. Yeah. We've had every single curtain ripped down from yeah. buildings. I mean, they go everywhere. Wow. What about um, bats? Do you guys ever deal with, with bats? I've been, in, I've been in situations where a bat has come into to a living room, and, yeah, you're chasing it with the, the broom and yeah. whatever, trying to shoo it out the door. Yeah, we, uh, we do a lot of exclusion work for bats. That's about basically all you can do within Cal, uh, California, but um, we get like three or four calls a year for bats. What's exclusion work? Exclusion work is if there's an access point where they're coming from the outside into a building, you don't want to exclude that by either using like hardware cloth or some other type of material. Uh, sometimes you use a one-way door in order to um, have them come out, but they can't enter the building back again. So, so um, at least in California, there's laws that would prevent you from uh, taking any other action directly with the bat. Well, you're not allowed to handle bats or anything like that. And you're not allowed to um, uh, manage them or discard a, a bat. So if you do harm you can, it, then it's... Then you it's, can only uh, deter. Yeah. That's okay. all you can do. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Are there any, any other prominent um, types of pests or animals that that, that would apply to? Mountain lions. That mountain would mountain. be it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be you it. you would want to deter much, the mountain lions. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much bears all the way down to termites, except for bats. There is some waterfowl that you have to get permission from the state for, get depredation permits, things like that, that would go through fish and wildlife. Um, But everything else is manageable. All right, let's do a little vocabulary here. You've used the word depredation. Um, What does that mean? (laughs) Depredation, we say it like this at board meetings. We We wave our magic wand and we have the animals disappear. Depredation basically means any problem animal that's causing havoc to a house or property that the homeowner owns or an association owns, uh, you can um, not discard, but um, make it disappear. (laughs) Depredate. (laughs) All right. We manage that animal. We manage that animal. All right. So uh, it sounds like um, 
uh, mice and rats are probably a, a big part of your business and a big part of what you encounter. Um, what are some of the things that uh, that somebody should maybe have in mind when it comes to dealing with a, a, a mouse problem or, or rat problem? It's mainly when you're taking on association, it's being able to go out and put enough rat bait stations in the areas that need to be there. And then de seeing the actual fruit trees and seeing the bird feeders that are being put up by the homeowners because they're going to definitely go for the fruit trees or the bird feeders before they go for anybody's bait. So it's just being able to get the expectations underhand and the ground foliage. I mean, if people aren't doing good ground foliage and, and cutting stuff back and keeping it away from the house, then you're just, you're creating a nightmare. So addressing, addressing the issues with, with rats and mice um, starts with actually outside of a home or a unit before you're ever dealing with anything inside. That's where you want them. You want right, to keep yeah. them outside the home and you want to take care of them outside the home. But it's a little bit of housekeeping to do that. Yeah. And we work close at hand with the um, landscapers and, and people in the common area to be able to do that. Because most of our work in the HOAs is all in the common area. It's not actually for the homeowner it's for the areas that the rats sure. and mice are in. Right. I mean, rodents only need three things to live. They need food, water, and shelter. So if you eliminate that from your backyard, um, if you're a particular homeowner, you're going to eliminate a lot of your problems. So really thick, heavy ground cover, that's going to help uh, eliminate them wanting to stay there. If you have bird feeders or bird feeders or uh, bird waters, then you're going to want to get rid of that because that's just going to attract those rodents to your backyard. Okay. And then um, uh, do you address the rats uh, or mice themselves outside uh, of a unit? Uh, in other words, um, do you poison or trap them outside of a unit in any way, or is that only going to be addressed inside of a unit? We You're trap inside and we, and we actually put bait stations on the outside to feed them. Okay. Yeah. You don't want a dead rat in the walls. In the walls. That's yeah. why you want to yeah. base stations on the outside, traps on the inside. Trap on the inside. So if you do put traps um, inside, then how often should you be checking those traps? At least every two days. Two days. Yeah. Just okay. for the smell. Right. right. So we do a 10-day trapping basically every two days. And, and that's and it's really have to work closely with the homeowners because we have sure. to set up appointment times to be able to get in and out. And then you do bait stations outside where you're hoping that by the time that they manage themselves out of existence, yeah. that they are um, in underground or someplace um, yes. where they're not going to create a problem. That's usually what happens. If they eat the bait on the outside, they're going to stay on the outside and just, just you know pass away on the outside. Okay. They will. Um, and then uh, we can talk about other types of, uh, of pest control. I know a big one often that comes up is, is rabbits. Um, is, that, is, that, is that one that, that you guys hear about frequently? Well, yes, and we do a, a lot of rabbit um, depredation control, work, yeah. control. Yeah. Um, we do it from 1230 at night to 6 in the morning. That's mine, Justin's, and Mr. Fox's job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only three of us that do it in the company, and the rest of our technicians do all the trapping and, and basic work of rats, mice, ground squirrels, yeah. gophers, things like that. Yeah, and the challenge with the rabbits is they actually do damage to the common area. Oh, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth right. of your landscape every week gets just eaten 
anywhere you are in the yeah. country. There are 16 inch area a rabbit will go to day in and day out and just eat it all the way to the dirt and their urine causes it yellow. So your beautiful green grass turns yellow and it's nothing but dirt, then you need rabbit control. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a particular, uh, challenge. Um, Justin, have you had any experiences with, uh, with like a homeowner or a resident, um, who was unhappy with you guys addressing the rabbits because they wanted to protect the rabbits? Uh, I haven't had any problems with it. No. Oh, that's good. (laughs) We're pretty good at night between the hours of 1230 and 6am in the morning. You very rarely even have a homeowner that you come in contact with. And we have the great satisfaction of not doing our job if we if it's not under control meaning if we see other people if somebody's walking by somebody's sitting in their house right there and the rabbits in their front yard we just drive you're not gonna be waving that magic wand at that point exactly yes sir yes sir and you'd be surprised how many people that are let's say very green and they're very soft-hearted in nature but once it's their own property and they're damaging their property and they're having to spend their own money to take care of it um, they're pretty friendly about please come out and take care of our issue. Yeah. That can be said for coyotes, especially. Mm-hmm. Especially for coyotes. So um, I am not, uh, uh, just for background, I, I managed um, homeowners associations for probably about a dozen years. And I don't know that I ever dealt with um, any type of, of coyote management in that capacity. So what does that look like? Um, mainly uh, traps. Uh, we use um a certain type of trap to be able to cage the animal in and uh, remove them from the property. I mean, there's there's a lot of different. We 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 actually sent over 200 coyotes to get necropsied to see what was on the inside of their stomachs, and we actually found out that 33 percent of all the cows that we sent in had cat remains in them. Really? Yes. Yeah. So that that's I that's mean, who's taking out the cats. They exactly. Cats. <laughs> those posters you see on those uh, on the uh, telephone poles or the light posts saying. Hey, my cat's missing. Please return him if you yeah. see him. He's probably not coming back. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. For those homeowners. And small dogs. And, you know, coyotes yeah. have been, you know, we're basically built right in their area. But, and there's easier for them to come down in our neighborhoods and eat our cats and dogs or eat the dog food or eat, drink the water off somebody's backyard. So mm-hmm. they really, if a homeowner really needs to keep their actual dog food and water picked up because it helps eliminate that problem. So um, they're, uh, they, they travel in packs normally, don't they? Not necessarily. No, they, yeah. they do a lot of uh, hunting on their own. Yes. They don't, okay. they don't have to hunt in a pack like, yeah. a, like a pack of wolves would yeah. if right. they're trying to take down an elk or something large. But for coyotes, no, they can, they can go all by themselves and be just fine. So you could, you could have a problem from just one animal, catch that animal, and then resolve your issue? Very much so. Yeah. We find that more than, you know, people all call you and they say, oh, we saw seven coyotes. Um, throughout a neighborhood. Well, they usually see one to two coyotes. They're just seeing the same coyote multiple times on multiple streets. A coyote will actually travel up to a couple miles a night if it's looking for food, or it could just stay in a hundred yard area because it's got great food. So they're very, you know, they, they, and they'll walk an eight foot wall like it's nothing or jump over it. So they can do a lot of damage and be in a lot of different places at one time. Yeah. Interesting. So talk to me about ants going the other direction as far as size. Uh, um, I, I would imagine ants are a big problem for a lot of HOAs. Um, what do we need Absolutely. to know about that? Well, what we need to know is that when we are actually doing mulching, 
we need to look at the mulch that we get because we're taking an HOA that's under control that we've sat there and done a lot of spraying on and actually have control. And once a year, we want it to be even more beautiful. So we call in and have the landscapers put all new mulch through it. We never tell the pest control company that we're doing this. And then it turns around, we're bringing ants, we're bringing subterranean termites and all these other things from the mulch yard 20 miles away. And it's being spread through our community. Now we got a huge infestation of ants. Cockroaches as well. And cockroaches and all that. And then so the one times or calls to the property managers just increases tenfold. So a lot of times if we just know things are happening before they happen, um, then as a pest control company, we can, you can go out and jump on that. Instead of, if you're doing an ant spray and you're only doing the common area to, around a community and you're doing it one time a month. So if they put new mulch in on the first or second of the month, all of a sudden the phone calls start increasing. But the pest control company's only out there on the fifth Thursday or fourth Thursday of that month. And so for two weeks, you've got yeah. 30 different homeowners that are calling about the ants. If we would have known, we could switch that time that we actually go out and put some granulars down and really get a, get a, good, a good kill before they actually start to infestate. And one really big misconception is if there's ants on the inside of a house, oh, we'll just have them spray on the outside. That, that's a big misconception. That's not, not always going to happen. Sometimes there's cracks in the foundation to where those ants are just coming up from the cracks in the foundation going right into the house. So if you're having ants on the inside of your house, you need to have the interior of your house sprayed because that's where you're going to get the most effective spray to what you want, which is no ants in the house. So just doing an outside spray, that's not going to solve your problem every single time. Same yeah. thing with cockroaches because cockroaches will come up through the drains, come yeah. up through your toilets, Absolutely. all that. If the, if, the, if the city or the town is black back flushing the sewer system, cockroaches just come right up through those drains and stuff and into people's houses that were never there before. So what I'm hearing in the course of this conversation, um, a really practical suggestion for managers and for board members um, not something I ever did, by the way, so this is probably <laughs> worth, uh, worth considering. But I know that um, most of the time managers are meeting on site doing a landscape walk with their landscape committee and their landscaper probably every month. It seems to me that there's a lot of coordination that should be happening between the landscape company and the pest control company and inviting the pest control company to at least periodically attend those walks and have the landscape committee, the manager, the landscaper, pest control walking together at least a few times a year, that seems like that would be a really important uh, thing to do just from a coordination standpoint. Absolutely. We like to do it quarterly. Quarterly. Okay, we, yeah. we actually like to visit the, the association as one of us managers for those meetings, for the walks and the technician. With the landscaper? Yeah, with yeah. the landscaper. Because there's certain things that a landscaper, you pull you aside and you can kind of communicate. Yeah. And they give you a, hey, we're having an issue on this slope. We're having an issue back here that maybe your technician never knew about that really helps us out a lot. So coordination and communication is the number one thing. Or if they wanted to plant new material, hey, don't be planting that uh, certain plant, you know. Yeah. I mean, rose bushes, then the rabbit's going to come in here, or rats and mice. I mean, yeah. how about you put some acacia in that spot? It's pretty hardy. Yeah. Nothing's going to want to eat It's hardy, and they don't like to eat it as much, yeah. you know. And that's kind of a big thing. Or if you're, you're you got a crow issue, and you're going to resod the whole you know, one area. And next thing you know, the crows are just, you know, eating the grubs and they're out there left and right. 
we do a lot of crow work too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, I don't know where this exactly comes from, but I hear frequently that Bougainvillea is like oh. the place for rats to hide. Is that is that a true statement? You will statement? not find one of those in my house. Really? I can tell yeah. you that. And it's it's for that reason. And my wife loves them. It's just a rat highway. Yeah, it's really a rat highway. Yep, I okay. love it. So that that's uh, we can we can put that in the in the the fact category as opposed to the myth category in, in any ivy crawling up the side of a house i mean yeah. if somebody really wants to deter something you're just given a highway for them to climb up and to live in yeah i mean if you have an eight foot wall you got ivy growing up the side of it, that's an easy way for them to get up and over yeah okay or just to live in yeah yeah so talk to me about um bees um, what, what should managers, board members, or anybody know about uh, pest control as it relates to bees? Well, bees are not illegal to take care of. That's one of the big things. We, we fight that battle every day. Oh, somebody, that, somebody says that they're, it's illegal to oh, address bees? We've we heard a lot of things. Every day. Where does that come from? Or honeybees, just the activists that, you know, the honeybees being taken over. That and they're protected not, in some yeah, way? Yeah, they're protected. Yeah. And it's not true. There's more honeybees now than there ever has been, especially in the communities where this, you know, lush vegetation is growing and water 24-7 year-round. So this is a little surprising to me. It sounds to me like out of all the pest control you do, you get the most pushback on bees. Is that? Yeah, the, our technicians yes. get stopped the most for most bee on bees. Really, I would not yeah. have guessed that. Oh, yeah, it's That's crazy. Interesting. And everybody's allergic to it. Do you uh, know that there's only 2% of the American, the whole country, that's actually allergic to bees? But everybody's allergic yeah. to bees when they see bees. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. And I would think actually there is the people who are, it's, it's deadly. Oh, it's I mean, I would, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I would, I would say that out of all the pest controls, other than, than maybe mountain lions, the bees might actually be the most deadly. They definitely could be, they, especially they if can it's be, especially Africanized. Yeah. 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 But even somebody who has, who has, who does yes. have a true allergy, they, yes. that could really be serious. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And the Africanized bees, there's a honeybee, which is going to, you know, go up in a tree and make a hive or go inside a wall in a house, stuff like that. And then you got the Africanized bees that are going to be underground. They're actually going to be the ones in your valve box, things like that. Yeah. A European honeybee will not go underground. So yeah. anything in a valve box as a hundred percent Africanized. Yes. And as, uh, translate that. Why, why do I care if it's Africanized? Well, that's, those are the They're more being, aggressive. Yeah. yeah. Those are the ones that are going to chase you for a long Yeah. Long if you walk away. past and disturb them, they're coming at you. you is it just a matter of you're more likely to be stung, or is it actually oh, more dangerous? Is it more dangerous to be stung by one of those? Yes, it is because they come in mass and they and they bite you. They'll sting you. A honey, you can actually go to a honeybee hive. I wouldn't recommend this, but you get stung very little with natural honeybees if with no bee suit on, just taking the hive out. They're yeah. very. They're not aggressive at all. Yeah, but so but Africanized very aggressive it's <laughs> it's not so much the european honeybee compo uh, compared to the africanized bee has more sting than the other it's the amount of bees that come after you yeah. after that first bee sting the pheromone they release it just it, it, the whole colony will come out and just attack you yeah so um do all bees die when they sting you uh yes there's yes yes, yes. but um so you're not going to be stung multiple times by one bee? No, not by the same bee. But no. you could have 100,000 bees in yeah. one colony. What you see flying around is not a quarter of what's in the hive. Yeah, sure. It yeah. just depends on the colony as yeah. well. I mean, we've so, taken out honeycomb over 100 pounds before yeah. out of a yeah. building. So what? Um, 
Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, what's the motivation for a bee to sting somebody if it's going to die? If if it's going to uh, protect in the protection, yeah, the hive. It's just so any it's just animal a suicide mission the, to protect yeah, the rest yeah, of the of the colony. The only job. Yeah. yeah, it's flight or fight, and a bee's fight. Yeah. That's what they do. If they you get too flight. close, they're going to attack yep. to protect the queen and the colony. I was just going to ask, what is the definition of a queen, and how does that fit into this whole equation? I mean, I mean, really, the queen yeah. is the king. I mean, they're the boss. The the Everybody king. works for the queen, yeah. from the worker bees all the way up through the soldiers. Everybody works for. But the I was just queen. wondering if, in the from a pest control standpoint, if you get the queen bee, does that oh. like help? Yes. Yes, yeah. it does. The hive will disperse because they're trying to find the queen. They protect the queen. When you see a ball, um, you'll see bees. You'll see a bee swarm going down the freeway or coming down the street. They're actually moving with the queen. They're going to stop on a tree. They're going to surround the queen, and they're going to make a big ball. Now, most likely, they're going to move on within an hour or two. But everybody, oh, there's a hive being created. Not necessarily. They're just transporting to another safer place because they'll move the queen periodically to make a new hive. Yeah, I got a picture. Uh, we removed a hive up in a tree one time, and the queen landed on my helmet on my bee suit. And I have about, I don't know, probably 400 bees on top of my helmet. Wow. Yeah, yeah wherever the queen goes, the rest of the colony is going to follow. Yeah, okay. they just ball up around her. Yeah, to protect her, and she's a lot bigger, so you can tell definitely it's a queen versus the a regular. The only way you can tell a honeybee from an Africanized bee is under a microscope, too. Yeah. So, or where you find it. Well, you can tell by when you approach a hive whether or not they're how aggressive, aggressive they're going to be. But the only way to actually tell the difference is under a microscope. microscope. Is it more dangerous to be stung by a queen bee? No, not that I'm Could, aware. Uh, of. Yeah, not that I'm aware of either. Okay. All right. Well, last thing, um, we started this episode talking about squirrels coming down the chimney. Um, what's the, uh, what's the strategy with, with addressing pest control with regard to squirrels? So ground squirrels can actually burrow up to 30 feet in the ground into slope areas. So you, what you want to do is once you find uh, the start of a burrow system or the colony moving in, you want to get on it as quickly as possible, especially before the spring. Uh, that's when they have their litter and then it's going to go about tenfold the whole population. So spring, squirrels multiply tenfold. That's a good, good rule to know. Yep. Um, so address them uh, in the winter or early spring, but get that addressed quickly. And what is, what is the strategy? Uh, bait stations was what we use uh, to take care of them. Um, they come in, they eat the bait, and then within a few days, they're uh, gone. So that's the best way to get rid of them. Um, sometimes you can use, I know back in the day, you used to be able to use uh, gas cartridges and then plug up the burrow systems that way. And I'm sure you can still do that in like the Midwestern states as well. Well, if, if it ever comes to it, I could fall back on pest management with squirrels. My experience is when I was a kid, I would set up, when we, we'd go camping, I'd set up a box with a stick and a little string, and um, I caught a lot of, uh, yeah. of squirrels doing that, just pulling the, 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 the stick out, and uh, the box would fall on the squirrel. So yeah. that's my experience, but yeah. that actually works. Yeah, or you can do trapping as well if you have to, Yeah, but that's really labor-intensive. Yeah. So, But to keep them out of your chimney, just put a good... Um, Exclusion, on, yeah, yeah exclusion yeah. on your chimney, yeah, and keep your flue closed when you're not having it lit. Yeah. Well, is there anything uh, significant that we have not talked about with regard to pest control that a, a manager or a board member really should know? Gophers, gophers. Uh, we didn't hit on gophers. Gophers. So, um, gophers are really 
temperature sensitive. So during the winter months, they actually will uh, tunnel closer to the surface of the ground. So they'll actually make up to three mounds per day, as opposed to the summertime in the heat, they'll actually burrow down lower. So they'll only make one mound almost every three days. It's, it's the same amount of gophers, but during the wintertime, you're going to see a lot more mounds pop up. So it looks like there's a lot more activity than there actually is. So when that happens, oh, this is out of control. No, it's not really out of control. It's just they're seeing a lot more mounds because they're closer to the surface of the ground. And you're dealing with bait stations there to address the gophers? No, we actually, at, you actually put all of the bait underground for uh, gophers. Okay. You find the tunnel systems, and then you apply bait on the inside of them. And um, that's generally very effective? It's very effective, yeah. yes. If uh, it's done correctly... It's yeah. very effective. There's a there's a few there's bait and then there's also um, gas that you can put under the ground and it uh, fills up the entire tunnel system. Takes care of them that way. A lot of people use traps. You can buy traps at Home Depot. Um, if you like to dig a lot, you can use traps all you want. So <laughs> it's kind of up to you. It's just really hard with trapping in a common area because then your liability of a kid sure. stepping on a trap. It doesn't hurt them, but they trip over it, sprain their ankle, the liability-wise. Yeah. So it's much more effective to actually treat underground. It's safer for animals, things like that. Can you permanently address gophers in that way? Like if you, if, if you put the poison or the gas down and they... Uh, um, you kill them all off. Their migration. You're they'll never come, they'll killed. Come back again. It's yeah. just like coyotes, just like okay. rabbits. There's just no way to eliminate. We wouldn't be in business either. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, migration hurts us all. I mean, it it does, and but that's why we're in pest control. Yeah. We're yeah. there to keep the migration down as low as possible and keep them managed. Yeah, yeah. especially if you think about when it, when it dries up during the summertime. All the HOAs have um, watered grass year-round, so they're going to flock to those communities, especially if you're on the outside of a um, native area. Big where slope. There's, yeah, big slope or uh, fuel mod areas. They're going to swarm to those communities where they have water and green, green grass to eat. Yeah, so that's super helpful. That's what they're looking for. Well, Rick, Justin, thank you so much. This was uh, really informative and uh, very interesting and helpful. So uh, appreciate your input and insight. And uh, I hope that was helpful to everyone who was watching. And I would encourage you to look for other episodes of The Uncommon Area.